Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, I have a, a bunch of topics for you this morning, and of course, I uh, always look forward to your thoughts and comments at our toll-free line at one 337 6666 brought to you, of course, by Mohegan Sun. Unlimited possibilities await you at Mohegan Sun. You can plan your stay at mohegansun.com. Okay, first of all, there was a big article in the New York Times uh, this morning right here on the uh, the World Cup Championship Day, that uh, apparently, according to the Sports Fitness and Industry Association, which has tracked these numbers for several decades, that the uh, that I haven't heard this before in many, many years, but apparently uh, the enrollment of kids playing soccer in this country is down substantially, down 14% for kids ages 6 through 12, and uh, that's... That's 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 quite a drop, uh, and I'm curious. We'll talk about this uh, during the course of the morning, uh, and and you know, obviously, as I said, you know, everybody, the the, the people who play soccer and embrace it and, and are into it, you know, this has been a growing industry for a good long time. Maybe these numbers just sort of suggest that the the interest has begun to sort of plateau. I don't know, but I'm curious to get your thoughts about that. Uh, you know, they in the article. Uh, that Joe uh, Drape from the Times uh, wrote this morning. He talks about the fact that um, that there's obviously the usual suspects here, that the costs of kids playing uh, soccer, particularly at the travel and club level, is uh, prohibitive for a lot of families. Uh, and, of course, the always the imposition of, of uh, video games that kids are attracted to. But again, and there's more than 3 million kids in this country who play soccer, so it's quite a few but when you're talking about a 14% drop or more than 600,000 kids, uh, that, that's substantial. I also want to have an have a interesting passage for you, which I'll read to you in a few minutes, about uh, well, a well-known athlete, uh, she'll rename nameless for the time being, talking about specialization and what he went through when he was growing up uh, playing sports as a kid. And I think you'd be curious to see what he has to say. Again, I'll give you his name later on. But first up... There was a, a column in a small newspaper in rural Missouri last week that I want to tell you about. Uh, the author, a fellow named Tim Crone, well, he hit upon a topic that every sports parent can relate to. And it goes right to the heart of how travel and, and club teams have intersected these days with high school varsity coaches and, and, and the, the coaches' programs. In short, uh, Tim Crone was saying that high school coaches, and this is his opinion, pretty much have a predetermined idea of who's going to make the varsity team based upon what travel or club team the kid is playing for. That is, in effect, when the high school tryouts these days are conducted, it's not so much for the high school coach to look over and to, to evaluate the talent that's trying out, but rather it's just to confirm what the coach has already heard or already suspects and that eat from each kid's outside travel or club team. Now, that's true. That, to me, is a real concern. And, and again, this is coming from a small town in, in Missouri. 
look, all good high school coaches will tell you that they encourage uh, their rising players to, to play their sport in the offseason. And most kids will do that even if they're playing more than one sport. But if we're now at the, at the point where the high school coach is listening too much to the feedback from the outside travel and club coaches about the kids who play in their program, well, that's a real concern. And again, I'm, I'm going to start with this topic this morning because I, this begins to sort of cascade in different directions. And I'm curious, first of all, as a parent or a coach, you've encountered this as well. Uh, and, of course, this is all sort of predicated that a kid does play on a travel or club team. Some kids just don't, as I mentioned before, either due to uh, financial constraints or they have other reasons. Uh, now, I have to tell you, I'm sure that most high school coaches will absolutely insist that their decisions on player talent is never contingent uh, on opinions or feedback from uh, travel or club coaches, but that human nature being what it is, I'm sure that's part of the evaluation process. And, of course, there are, there, there are some varsity coaches who run out-of-season programs so that they don't have to rely upon the travel coaches. The coaches, the varsity coaches, want to see the kids for themselves. But then again, as we've discussed on the show before, some high school coaches say the out-of-season programs are strictly voluntary so that the kids who play other sports don't have to attend. But the reality is that those kids who, who don't play in these so-called voluntary sessions, well, they end up penalized because when the tryouts begin, for real, the coach hasn't really seen them play that much in the off-season. And that's a problem as well. So, again, a lot of issues here when it comes to the influence of outside travel and club programs on the high school coaches themselves who run their own out-of-season programs. one 337 6666 And the last piece of this, which, again, is always troubling, there are those high school coaches who will offer personal training sessions, personal training sessions at an hourly fee for their players. That's a problem as well. And I think it's been, that issue has been cracked down by most high school athletic directors. But, again, in some situations, it still exists. Okay, let's start our discussion this morning. Let's start with uh, Ed over in uh, Elizabeth, New Jersey. Ed, good morning. Good morning, Rick. How you doing? Right now I'm sitting in at Ken Frank Baseball Stadium in Tom's River, the home of the legendary high school baseball coach, Ken Frank, is we're in a travel baseball tournament down here today. Okay. But you're talking about specialization. Ken Frank coached Todd Frazier in high school. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I want to bring up is Todd Frazier was a a 1,500-point scorer in high school in basketball. So Todd Frazier didn't have to specialize. All this stuff about specializing, you don't have to. If kids are good enough to play more than one sport, let them play. Let them play. And I think that's important. I think that's, uh, you know, and again, you're going to hear a passage in a few minutes. Uh, but, I mean, I, I it's just over and over and over again, when you look at the elite professional athletes like a Todd Frazier, uh, you know, one of New Jersey's best athletes of all time, yeah, it's not surprising to hear that he played a variety of sports as a kid. Uh, that's just the way it is. And yet our parents today, as you well know, they figure, no, 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 the sooner I get my kid to specialize at a young age in just one sport, that's going to propel them. That's going to give them the extra edge uh, to get them ahead of all their peers. It, it just doesn't... And, the, and, the, and the one thing I want to talk about with, with travel coaches, yep. influential to high school coaches, I think that's a crock of bull. Now, not to say that it didn't happen, because if anything, you want to work with the high school coaches so this way you can keep their players you know, from your high school program to play with your travel program. But I know I'm a travel coach, and the organization I'm with, 
We don't we don't influence the high school coach to say, hey, you got to start so and so and all that stuff. Good. That's good. not the case on that. Great. We, we want to work together with them, especially when now this is the time of year uh, players are looking to go, go to college. So we want to keep the high school coach informed. Hey, so and so is playing for us. He's got X, Y, and Z school showing interest in him. Well, as I said, you know, there has to be a situation where, the, yes, you do want communication between the outside coaches and the varsity coach, but you don't want to have a situation where the high school coach is sort of saying, well, I'm dependent upon how am I going to evaluate my team, depending upon what, what team the kid played for. Well, here's another thing I want to mention, too. Yep. During the week, besides the tra- our travel organization going into tournaments, we play weekday games. So what we try to do is this, work around the high school schedules, find out when they're playing like their independent games, so we'll schedule each week around their schedule. So this way the kid, the player can, can do both. If there's ever a conflict where, you know, there's a high school game and we're playing, we like to have our kid go play with the high school coach. Again, keeping that working relationship with the high school coach so hopefully he'll keep sending more of his players to your travel program. Hey, Ed, I hear you loud and clear. Thank, thank you as always for the call. Have a great day. Talk to you soon. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Mickey up in Stamford, Connecticut. Good morning, Mickey. You're on the fan. Morning, Rick. How you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Um, I'd just like to give a perspective from a grandfather's point of view. Sure. I have a granddaughter that's playing soccer, and she's a decent, probably one of the best girls on the team. Uh huh. Now, from what you're saying, I mean, I I played little league, and this, to me, this is like the little league of soccer. She's she's eleven. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think these people take it too seriously at that age. Okay, I mean, I go to the games and the pe- parents in the stands are yelling at the refs. And, you know, everybody on both sides is yelling at each other. I mean, it's a crazy situation. Uh, Mickey, right? you know, we've been talking about this on the show for over 20 years. Yes, it is a concern, and I couldn't agree with you more, that the parents – they got to back off and, and let the kids enjoy themselves because the kids come in and, and they realize that even though the moms and dads say, go out and have fun, once the kids get onto uh, the soccer field or the Little League field or the basketball court, they, the, the kids pick up very quickly that this is not about having fun. This is about making sure that, that mom and dad are pleased that I'm not just out here playing, but I'm actually a star. And to that end, the moms and dads are going to, are going to get all of the refs or the umpires or whoever, the coaches, to make sure their kid is, in fact, a star. It's just not healthy. It's not good for anybody. And, and you know, I was a pretty decent player. And I could see that the parents that are out there doing this are the ones that are trying to live their, I don't know, their sports, yeah. whatever it is, <laughs> through their kids. You know, you could tell they weren't the ones that were the athletes, you know? Well, that's exactly what happens, uh, Mickey. And, and uh, thank you for the call. Yes, the, the parents who... Unfortunately, and I, I don't have any stats or research to back this up, but it's it's my impression, and I'm sure it is yours as well, that you know that, that those athletes, those parents who were terrific athletes and reached the higher echelons of competitive sports, either at the uh, the collegiate or professional level, they know how tough it is uh, to to compete. But for those parents who weren't uh, that uh, that uh, adept or, or talented in sports, they just think, well, I can push my kid and. And if they want it badly enough, they're going to, you know, basically fulfill the dreams that, that I had as a kid growing up, even though I wasn't very good at that sport. And that's where the troubles begin to happen. But, uh, yeah, that's exactly why we do the show, to talk about these issues. All right, look, we're, again, we have a lot of things to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the, 
the uh, sort of subtle influence that the travel and club team coaches have on high school varsity coaches, and at the same time, high school coaches running out-of-season programs uh, or sessions for their kids who say these are voluntary, but in fact, obviously, uh, other kids you know seem to get a leg up on uh, on their their peers if they aren't there. Uh, that's a concern. And I want to talk about specialization because that's something that uh, continues to be a real issue uh, for parents, and it's hard for them to sort of grapple how to handle this problem. Radio.com. Radio.com. Hey, back here on the Sports Edge. Just a reminder, uh, the WFAN Jeep Yankees Radio Fan Fest is almost here and we want you to head over to McCombs Dam Park, which is right across the street from Yankee Stadium, next Sunday, July 22nd from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. for a fun-filled afternoon just before the Yankees and Mets wrap up the 2018 Subway Series. You'll get to meet and take pictures with Bernie Williams, Daryl Strawberry, David Cohn, Willie Randolph, and Cecil Fielder, among others. Plus, we'll broadcast live during FanFest with Boomer and Geo. Benigno and Roberts, CMB, of course, Carlin, Maggie and Bart, and Mike Francesa will be there as well. We'll have batting cages, interactives, and lots of freebies. So come early and hang out before the game. It's free and open to everyone, Yankee fans and Met fans. It's powered by Jeep, the most awarded SUV brand ever, and by Wendy's, Old Dominion Freightlines, uh, Backblade, Fidelis Care, the Lust Garden Foundation, and your flagship station for Yankees baseball, The Fan. And back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about high school coaches and whether they're influenced too heavily by travel team and club team programs when it comes to kids trying out for the high school team. And we're also talking about high school coaches who run out-of-season, quote-unquote, voluntary programs uh, for their players as well and whether that that puts the kids who play other sports uh, during the course of the school year at a disadvantage. 1-877-337-6666. Let's continue with our calls. Let's go to uh, let's go to Louis in Long Beach, New York. Louis, good morning. Hi, Rick. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, okay, great. Uh, before you touched on uh, the the New York Times article, why yeah. is less uh, playing? I can I can give you a good example. Go ahead. Uh, me, me, for example, I've been coaching soccer and lacrosse for over twenty five years. Uh-huh. On uh, okay, and uh, what happened was just recently I was uh, I received an award, uh, Westchester County. Coach of the year for lacrosse. Great. So what happened was I was confronted by one of the lacrosse uh, 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 places or uh, clubs. They offered me between seventy-five and a hundred dollars an hour to coach kids individually. Mm-hmm. Now, what's happening on the soccer level? I know this for a fact because I got a lot of friends. They don't want to coach these teams anymore. They can make more money coaching individual kids per hour. 50, maybe $75 an hour instead of going to coach the youth teams. Why should they coach the youth teams when they can coach these kids individually? And what that ha- what's happening is now that's trickling down. They can't find soccer coaches for the, for the youth program. So that's also has an effect on having teams where the coaches coach for free and, and coach the kids. That's why there's m- many less teams now. Uh, and many less kids playing uh, soccer uh, very at a very young age. Interesting uh, so, per- observation, Louis, because I was under the impression that, uh, if nothing else, over the last 10 years, there was a substantial increase 
the number of travel or club teams for soccer in particular, but your point of view, of course, is that the, the coaches now are saying, well, I can make more money just working individually with the kids and, and coaching an entire team. Is that what you're saying? Yes. And I, I, I ran into a situation where uh, before I got this lacrosse job, I offered a couple of coaches uh, to be my assistant. They didn't want to do it because they can make more money coaching kids individually yep. than coaching on a youth team. So uh, coaching uh, on, on these youth teams. So that's what's going on now. The coaches are saying to themselves, why should I be coaching and being yelled at by the parents with these youth teams? And I'm not getting any money when I can make money coaching these kids individually. That's, that's... And, there's a lot of ki- and there's a lot of kids that want to be coached individually. They want good coaches uh, and they want, especially ki- coaches that have been selective and uh, they want them to coach them. And this is the way they get them. They get them this way. And I'm telling you, it's turning into a big business. Well, we know There'll it is. We, yeah, we know it is. Louis, be... You know, uh, yeah. and, and again, am I, uh, that's an interesting observation. Thank, thank you for your thoughts this morning, Louie. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right, take care, Rick. Talk to you soon. Take care. You bet. And, and, you know, the thing is, we know, um, there was a big article uh, in in Time Magazine a year ago where it says that, you know, youth sports is now a $15 billion, billion with a B, $15 billion a year uh, industry. And, yeah, so everybody's about making bucks, about making money, whether it's coaching, private tutoring, whatever it might be, or whatever, you know, whatever they can find. And that's fine. You know, we live in a capitalist society. And uh, we know how much money the, the professional athletes make. You know, again, maybe a generation ago, it wasn't that way. It wasn't about money. It was more about uh, making sure the kids had fun and enjoy themselves and got in shape and learn about lessons of uh, team play and sportsmanship. But nowadays, we understand it's about making bucks. Maybe that's one of the reasons why this, this, this study is saying that soccer is down 14%. That's quite a drop. And, you know, we talked in recent years about how enrollment uh, for for football has dropped off uh, as much as 8 or 9% each year. Most people attribute that to the fact that their parents are concerned about kids getting concussions uh, from playing football. Soccer dropping 14%, I, that, that's quite a drop. And I don't know exactly what the reasons are. We'll have to study this more and more. But, uh, you know, as Louis says, maybe it's because there are fewer and fewer coaches out there. Okay, let me, let me just – I know I've been teasing you about the specialization quote – and, and I just want to read you this, 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 uh, this paragraph that came in. And my thanks to uh, my buddy Ken Samuelson for sending this, this uh, specialization quote to me. It's, <laughs> I tell you, uh, this one comes any surprise. This comes from uh, the Mets AA uh, All-Star outfielder Tim Tebow. And, and Tim had said this about specialization for kids in sports. Quote, I can't stand it. I think that kids need to, if they want to, should play as many sports as possible all the time. Have fun. Don't specialize in something because it's more important to learn how to compete, how to win, how to lose, how to drive, how to push yourself than it is to be able to turn two at 10 years old. Learn the fundamentals of sports more so than the skills that you just need with sports because there's time you can learn all that. But a lot of the kids will get burned out. Because they play 150 baseball games and they don't do anything else. So they lose that love and that passion rather than being able to learn how to compete. I loved it for me. And when I was going from football to basketball to baseball, that other kids might have had a jump in a certain area. But I had a jump because I learned how to adapt back into football season and adapt into basketball season and adapt when I picked up a bat again. 
And I think that's such a big part of being an athlete and learning how to adjust and also having your body learn to compete and have different motor programs and movements when you learn to be more of an athlete first than you do it just being skilled at 10, 11, 12, 12 years of age. Again, Tim Tebow, I mean, look, the guy was a terrific all-around athlete. We talked about Todd Frazier before. But the guys at the elite level, they didn't specialize. And what Tim's point is, which I think is well taken, he looked upon this when he went from you know, football to basketball to baseball, he learned how to adapt. That was to him the skill. And, of course, we said many times in the show, all those athletic skills, they transfer from one sport to another, whether you're an ice hockey player or a soccer player or a baseball player or basketball. All those athletic skills you learn by not specializing, they just basically blend in as you develop into your sport as you get older. Interesting observation. Let's go back to our calls. Let's go to Tom in Cornwall. Tom, good morning. You're on the fan. And Good morning. How you doing, Rick? Good, Tom. How are you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm just sitting out here cutting grass at a golf course, and I'm listening to the conversation. I felt like I really wanted to call in and kind of just throw my two cents in about the travel. And the, um, I'm a baseball coach, and I, I deal with the the summer baseball, summer travel, and then we do a lot of off-season stuff, as mm-hmm. you guys were talking about earlier. Right. I think what's worked for us is that um, the relationship with the coaches in the high school and promoting playing multiple sports. I mean, we have really good sports programs up here and, and very good coaches and partly because they communicate with each other mm-hmm. that keep the athletes playing. Uh, so I think that's number one. I think if the coaches are on the same page, then the kid who doesn't make the off-season training stuff doesn't feel like he's behind uh, because the coach takes the forefront of, hey, you're in a season. You're, you're competing, just like your quote, the quote from Tim Tebow. I mean, it's perfect. You're going to learn a lot more competing in a basketball game than you will in a weight room you know, for an hour after school each day. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we see it all the time. And I think the other thing with the travel, and I know for other sports, but for baseball, it's, it's becoming, it's just a showcase is what it is. It's, there's really a lot, there's not a big team concept. You have kids from other towns and you're basically getting at bats and you're showcasing yourself as the older you get. Um, and, and that's how we view it up here. It, it's just, it's, it's important for that sport to get 150 at bats in the summer. But a lot of times the travel programs, and there's some really good ones up here that do it the right way, uh, but you go outside of here and you see it's all about what uniform and, and winning the, you know, the trophy for our tri- – it's not even a team. It's a travel organization. That's what it's developed into. Um, so, and they're money-making. They charge a ton of money for these kids to play uh, in these travel programs. So. I just want to throw my two cents in. Well, Tom, uh, I appreciate I, I, the conversation. Yeah, I, I, just to follow up on your points, yeah, I, I think it's incumbent upon sports parents today uh, as their kid progresses uh, through the, uh, the travel programs or club teams, they have, the parents need to have their eyes wide open and understand, as you just said, these are money-making ventures. And, of course, uh, the people who run these, uh, they're going to say all the right things, and they obviously are yeah. eager to have your kid play, but... The parents understand these are expensive, and there are no guarantees involved. Yeah, you might get a you know a shiny brand new uh, uniform or bat bag, whatever it might be, uh, and go right. to some uh, you know nice spots to play in tournaments. But understand if you're the reason why your kid is there uh, as a showcase to be uh, recruited or scouted by college coaches or pro scouts. And obviously, we're talking about baseball or softball here. Understand there are no guarantees. There just aren't any guarantees. There might be a uh, a history or pattern of kids getting uh, scholarships or whatever, but for the most part, you're on your own, 
and there is just no guarantees. And the bottom line, too, Tom, is the fact that at the end of the day, the kids would much prefer to play on high school teams during the school year with their buddies and friends than necessarily play on teams uh, that are comprised of kids from other school districts. They just That's well, not so much fun. So. Yeah, and I agree, and I think what, what kind of sparked me to call was the one caller, a couple callers before, uh, the mindset of having a travel team who says we allow the kids during their season to play their high school games, it, it bothers me. <laughs> it bothers me because ultimately you're not going to college without your grades from high school. You're a student athlete. Yeah. And I understand the necessary parts of having a travel program, but the teams, that, the travel programs that start before the end of the high school season is very concerning to me because it's basically telling you well, the high school programs that they're irrelevant. And it's just unfortunate this uh, is sir and tom thank you for your thoughts this morning appreciate it uh take you. care uh, you know uh, uh, tom's last comment about the fact that uh you know the travel programs will allow a kid to play on their high school team you know that, that a lot of that stems i believe with this mandate a few years ago with u.s soccer federation saying okay you have to decide by the time you're a, a freshman or sophomore in high school do you want to play in our soccer program or do you want to play at your less competitive high school team and to force kids in that kind of uh, decision is just so poorly thought out, and it puts the kid in, under such pressure to decide at an early age, do I play high school with my friends and buddies and be a big man on the high school campus and enjoy that environment and ambiance, or do I have to play on my travel team uh, because that's, they feel that's the only way I can get better and maybe get a chance to, to play at, at a higher level. I mean, it's just, that's just unfortunate. And as I said, we've seen over the years, a lot of the high school soccer players have pushed back and said, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to play on my high school team. The extra 10 weeks playing with the Federation doesn't make a big difference in the course of my career. All right, let me, let me take a, a pause. Uh, we're talking about all these issues about specialization, about the influence of travel and soccer, or travel and, and club teams on sports like soccer, uh, and so much more. one 337 6666 I'll be back with more. Stay with me. Okay, a couple of announcements before I get back uh, to your calls. First of all, at, of course, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be by and he'll be talking baseball. And speaking of Ed, I I want to make sure you're all aware of an upcoming event which will be hosted by Ed in conjunction with his Fans for the Cure initiative. On July 24th at 7 p.m. at the School of Visual Arts Theater here in Manhattan on West 23rd Street, Ed will be talking about the state of pitching and about pitching injury prevention. Uh, his guests will include Tommy John, Leo Mazzoni, and Rick Peterson. And let's face it, when it comes to pitching knowledge, you can't do better than that. Uh, the tickets are $50 each, and you can get them online at fansforthecure.org. The .org. Let me spell out for you. That's fans, F-A-N-S, the number four, the Cure, T-H-E-C-U-R-E dot org. Again, that's on July 24th at 7 p.m. at the School of Visual Arts here in New York City. Now, also, um, I want to mention uh, Mike from Limbrook called last week and was asking about my older daughter, Alyssa Wolf, uh, who is a comedian. And um, I, I just want to give a, a, a shout-out to Alyssa. She is, in fact, a, a real rising star as a stand-up comic and writer, and quite frankly, she's funny. 
Uh, if you want to know more about Alyssa, uh, her name is spelled A-L-Y-S-S-A. Her Twitter Twitter handle is Alyssa Wolf. Uh, of course, that's one word, Wolf, W-O-L-F-F. And her blog is AlyssaWolf.com. If you want a few laughs, I invite you to check out what uh, Alyssa has to say. Uh, and last thing, don't forget to order your copy of Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed. You know, it's such a joy and a point of real pride to me that so many of you have, have purchased a copy of the book and have contacted me uh, with your wonderful praise and how well it's written, how it's easy to use and apply the principles uh, in Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed by young athletes. Okay, let's get back to our calls. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Mike up in Armonk, New York. Mike, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you? Doing good. I had two quick points I wanted to make. One of the last callers nailed it when he talked about the showcases and those travel teams. The kids don't, I don't know what fun is derived from the children. It's not a team atmosphere. It's an individual atmosphere. It's not like when we grew up where it was all about team. It was all about trying to win. And I think they take that out of it because it almost becomes a business. And they start to, I think the kids start to believe what their parents are telling them. And their parents believe what these trainers are telling them, that they got to keep playing every year and ahead of each day about preparing for college scholarships and preparing for showcase teams. And I think it, in the end, it sucks all the fun out of it to the kids. And the second point I wanted to make, and I wanted to hear your comments on both. Mm-hmm. The second point is I went to an event at a high school last year where they brought in a bunch of doctors. And it was one of the things, my take, one of my takeaways was fascinating is kids today, and I have three daughters who have had injuries. One was an ACL, is they don't do like free play. They don't go out in the yard and play. They don't play stickball. They don't run around and play ring levio. They don't do any, They don't ride their bikes around town. And what they're not doing is strengthening all those additional muscles that they'll never uh, generate or um, develop just by doing the same type of exercise in all those structured team sports through their trainers. And they may do things for them that will help strengthen some of their muscles or some of their joints. But the regular stuff that you and I did growing up doesn't exist because the kids aren't doing it. There's no time to go out and have free play and play in the yard or play in the schoolyard and develop those additional muscles. And they said, the doctors were saying that's one of the causes, especially in young girls that causes a lot of these injuries. And when I tell a lot of the parents that I know in town, especially the parents of girls, is let your kids rest. Well, let their bodies rest. Otherwise, you're going to regret it down the road. And Mike, you see it all the time. Mike, I'll, I'll quickly respond because you hit two very important concepts that parents unfortunately sometimes either overlook or don't understand. First of all, you know, when I was growing up, perhaps when you were growing up, uh, on a list of priorities, the top ten priorities for, for, for kids playing sports, number one was having fun because that, that's what it's all about. But these days, the concept of having fun, it's no longer number one. It's dropped down considerably in that top ten list of priorities. That's, that's the first concern because parents are more focused on, you know, my kid is a rising star. I want to make sure they, he or she gets to be on the right program, the right club program, where it might be. That's a concern. And number two, the, the repetitive use injuries as a concept, that's a term that didn't exist 25 years ago because kids were playing different sports all during the course of the year. But now we have right. kids having problems doing the same thing over and over and over again, which leads to real uh, problems with repetitive use injuries. Any orthopedic surgeon will say that's a, it's a huge epidemic. 
And, and if you let kids basically chill or do something else or just take time out from playing their sport over and over and over again or play a different sport and not specialize, you're going to find that those injuries are going to be less of a concern. And, and the last thing, which I'll just touch on before I get back to some other calls, the fact is, and I've talked to leading orthopedic surgeons about this, uh, the way the, 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 the female body is put together, and there's nothing we can do about this, that you're going to have ACL injuries at something like anywhere from four to five to six times more prevalent uh, with girls playing sports than you are with boys. It's just the way the, 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 the female body is, is designed. There are some exercises you can do to help strengthen and prevent those injuries, but nothing seems to work in such a way that's going to prevent those. And again, if you look at, at college uh, soccer players and lacrosse or, or um, uh, basketball, you're going to see half the girls wearing uh, braces because they all went through ACL injuries. And it's very, very sad, but we haven't found any way to, to stop that yet. Anyhow, Mike, I got, let me move on, but th- thank you for your thoughts this morning. It's greatly appreciated. Take care. Thank you. You know, let's, uh, it's, that's a real concern. Hey, let's move on to uh, our friend Rob over in Lake Success. Rob, good morning. Oh, good morning, Rick. I want to thank you so much this week for coming on. It was it was great. You know, I had such a nice talk. Listen to the listeners who don't. Rick talks about, and it takes so many calls, but he has such a great personal history, which I learned a few things that I wasn't aware of. That you know, your son, you know, your dad was over at Woodmere Academy, or I right. grew up in the Five Towns, and and it was just just great. Well, that's an amazing. Let's tell our listening audience. You know, you you host a show out on a WGBV out in Long Island, and I had a chance to to be on your uh, be your guest this past week, and it was a great deal of fun. So, thank you for that, Rob. Yeah, thank you very much. As far as the specialization, Rick, and, and here's one of my thought process: the best athletes are all around athletes. And at 13 years old, the kid at 13 years old, Rick, he might be the best at that age, but by the time he gets to 16, 17, he's just average. Yep. And you know, hand-eye coordination is where you learn to develop all your different different sports. Okay, and that's why a guy look at look at Jim Brown. Jim Brown out of Manhasset was one of the greatest, you know, lacrosse players of all time. And look what he did, you know, in football. I mean, a lot of guys were on track. A lot of these football players, they did track in the offseason. Um, and a left one on the soccer. The, the, the hand-eye coordination in the United States, we're so used to hand-eye coordination. I think the lack of knowledge of how to coach this sport is part of the problem. But why we can't find, Rick, 25 kids or young men at the college level or at, at some professional level to make the – to make a championship squad when the smaller countries are able to do it is still beyond me. There's enough talent out there that we can get 25 athletes in this whole country from the college ranks on up to be able to uh, to make a World Cup and, and, be, and be a prominent uh, force in, in the sport. Thanks again, Rick, and we'll talk soon. Okay, Rob, thank you. Uh, and, yeah, Rob is uh... – you know, he's a longtime listener, and obviously uh, he makes a lot of good points about what's going on with youth sports today. And, and yeah, I, I, look, we, we are the United States. We have tremendous athletes. We have great resources. And, yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure that uh, the men's soccer program will get back on the right track and they'll fi- finally figure out a way to get the, uh, our, our team uh, back into the World Cup. And, and to be uh, one of the top teams in the world. But we have to make sure we're doing all the things at the right way at the youth level, particularly with this report now that, that soccer participation has dropped off by 14%. That, that's disturbing. Let's go to our friend Jack over in Fairlawn. Jack, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good, Jack. How are you doing today? 
I'm doing fine. In fact, uh, my wife said to me the other day, you know, why why do you have to call in every week? And I told her, <laughs> I'm addicted. I'm addicted. I can't get away. I, I really can't. couple good topics, all right? Real quick, and I'll do it as quick as I possibly can. Yep. One, of the th- one of the things I learned as a coach and a parent is you help your kids develop. Don't help them decide what they want to do. Let them decide what they want to do. Yep. They need to do it. I had I have two sons, both played three sports in high school. And you know when you start specializing? I mean, listen, if a kid wants to get better in baseball, I'm a private hitting coach. I allow them and I don't ever have them uh, a lesson conflict with a practice, ever. Mm-hmm. Let them play their other games, let them do their other things. The thing about soccer, real quick, is that, I don't know if you read the article yesterday in the Bergen Record, but women females are more likely to have concussions than boys. Yes, okay? yes, yes. The way yeah. that their bodies are structured, that's the way that their necks are not as strong and all of this. But the key here is is that in last year, in 2017, okay, 2.5 million kids were reported in youth sports and high school sports with concussions. And out of those 2.5 million, a million of them had multiple. All right? And soccer right now, I believe the reasons is that there are girls. That, I mean, there are a lot of concussions in soccer. A lot of towns are, are disallowing heading the ball. All right. But it's also in collisions, too. And are you still there? Yeah, Jack, I was going to say, okay. everything you say is right on target. And, and, you know, there was a time, and you know this, that a lot of parents said, oh, you know, I don't want my, my uh, son or uh, to play football because of the concussion issue. So let's right. play soccer, which is quote unquote safer. And for the <laughs> girls, as you just mentioned, it's true. You know, there is more, I mean, of all the dangerous sports out there regarding concussions, soccer is right there at, near the next oh, to right the top. At the, right, and, right at the top. And, and the parents don't often understand that the fact that if their daughter is playing soccer, with the heading of the ball, and yes, a lot of lot of leagues now, especially with the younger uh, kids playing, they will not allow kids to head a ball because of the concussion issues. But the collisions with goalies, I mean, it's just it goes on and on. One, one it, other thing about about this, about your about you you connected these three things, these topics, and yeah. they're all connected because soccer right now the specialization kids are playing lacrosse all year round kids are playing baseball and softball basketball all year round so they're taking away from soccer and you know soccer is not the most popular sport in the united states but it was growing right now it should be booming it's the world cup but what happened is our our world cup team didn't make it and getting back to the coaches and and specialization i mean coaches working with the clubs one real quick story, then I'm going to get off. In one of our local towns here in Bergen, in, in northern New Jersey, it wasn't in Bergen County, a coach came into a school, got hired by a head, for a head softball, I believe it was, and he owned a hitting and conditioning school. Mm-hmm. What he told his hitters, what he told his players, is that he wanted them to move over to his school, mm-hmm. all right, to his program, leaving their private hitting coaches. I had two of my girls quit on me. They quit the game because they were forced to go work with this. And no longer is that coach there. They brought in a really good coach, um, and he, he did a great job this year. But this is, you know, they do conflict. They do. But any good varsity high school coach will know, based on his back, um, his you know, looking back and working with the kids and understanding what's coming up through the program, 
He'll know what his starting team is going to be. But don't ever pick your starting team. You always let them come in. I give my kids at least, I always gave my kids a week, week and a half of tryouts before we even started our scrimmages. Jack, let, so, me, stop, let me stop you there because i got to take a, a break. I got, I'm good. But I, I hear you a lot unclear, and the point is well taken. Thank you, Jack. Talk to you soon. You're more than welcome, Rick. Take care. All right, let me take a quick pause. I'll be back. Stay with me. Well, summer is finally upon us. At least that's what the calendar says. Could the exterior of your house use a tune-up or a complete overhaul? Summer's a perfect time to add to your home's value and make the neighbors like you a little more. By calling my friends at Serta Pro Painters, they're my first choice, and they should be your first choice as well. Why? Because they do great work, and they're neat and reliable. I speak from my firsthand knowledge. I've been singing their praises for years, and Serta Pro has the Beningo family official seal of approval. So if your paint is chipping or peeling or fading, or if you just want a new look, give my friends at Serta Pro a call, and they'll take great care of you. Protect your home from damage like mold and mildew and really feel good about your biggest investment. For all your painting needs, interior or exterior, call Serta Pro Painters today at 1-800-GO-SERTA. That's 1-800-GO-SERTA or go to SertaPro.com. 1-800-GO-SERTA or SertaPro.com. As they say, we do painting, you do life. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated right here in our community. Don't you hate it when you lease a new car? Take a short drive to the grocery store and bam, a runaway shopping cart crushes your door. You go from new car love to lease and horror. Hey, it's Marcello from Island Toyota with big news that's guaranteed to change the way you lease a car. Lease any new Island Toyota car, truck, or SUV and get no charge wear and tear protection included, plus a great low payment. That means you don't have to worry about stains on your seat, chips in your windshield, or random dings and dents. It's simple. Lease at Island Toyota, and when you return your car, everything's covered. No surprise expenses. Plus, it comes with a great low payment. See how low the payments are at islandtoyotaoffers.com. Or buy a new Toyota or used vehicle, and Island includes a lifetime warranty and two years of oil changes on new. You heard it right. A lifetime warranty included on any new Toyota or used vehicle, plus two years of oil changes on new. When you need a car, Island's got your back. IslandToyotaOffers.com. Staten Island. Wear and tear max $5,000. Non-transferable powertrain warranty. Excludes certain models, vehicles over 80,000 miles, electric and commercial. Brokers excluded. Expires 7-30-18. At Town Fair Tire, you always get the guaranteed lowest price on name brand tires. For the absolute guaranteed lowest price, nobody beats Town Fair tire nobody new york's fan sports radio 101.9 fm and sports radio 66 wfan new york hey just to wrap things up here first of all uh, some really great calls this morning and i'm sorry i couldn't get to uh, to all of them uh but again i'm 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 up against the clock. And just to wrap things up, again, it all starts with your children playing sports with a sense of having fun. If they have fun playing a sport, that leads to a sense of passion. And if they're passionate about their sports, that will take them to a sense of wanting to compete and to keep playing and playing. Uh, It's as simple as that. Hey, my thanks this morning to Peter Kennedy. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He's on the on-deck circle. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.